What's up, everybody? How's it going? Thanks for listening to another episode of Reasonably Outrageous. My name is Blake Pace, along here with Matt Wyrick. Uh, Matt, how you doing? We got an early Friday morning. I know I'm catching a flight in a couple hours. I'm glad you were able to uh, to wake up and do this uh, early with me. Yeah, um, I'm actually at Bethany Beach right now with the fam, enjoying uh, what hasn't been super hot, but you know, nice weather yesterday. I was able to tan out on the beach and the water's a bit too cold right now but uh with my job starting next week and my brother reporting to basic training for the army uh in two weeks this is really the only time my family could go on vacation so we took what we could get and so far it's been pretty fun that's awesome and yeah you know matt is actually uh so dedicated to the podcast that he built his own mobile studio matt do you want to tell us where you're recording today <laughs> Yes, I am recording from my car in the parking <laughs> lot. Uh, it's very sophisticated. Um, I don't have internet, though, so my, my skills are really going to be tested today uh, in terms of uh, the knowledge I have, so I can't cheat and look anything up, mm-hmm. so should be fun. <laughs> yeah, if you need me to uh, research anything, I can just type it in right at my computer, but... Uh... Yeah, it seems pretty luxurious. You got a nice vehicle in there. If you need to go, you know, move around, of course, you got the you got the keys, <laughs> so you're all set. I'm all set, and I'm looking at the beach, so you know what? It's really not that bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so perfect view. I'm looking at uh, a wall, a blank wall. So, you know, oh, whatever. Wow. Very jealous. <laughs> it happens. So, <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna kick things off today. Uh, with a team that plays basketball in New York, but it is not the Knicks. Uh, recent rumors have come out that Kyrie Irving uh, is seriously interested in joining the Brooklyn Nets after their playoff uh, season this past year. A ton of good young players. Of course, the Nets traded um, away Alan Crabb to unload his salary to be able to you know, not only bring in um, you know, a talented player like Torian Prince, is a guy that I really like actually um, as kind of a bench reserve role kind of guy, but they also cleared up a max slot that will help them not only sign Kyrie or a max player, but it will also uh, let them um, keep uh, D'Angelo Russell, on, who is set to be a restricted free agent. Uh, so, you know, after all the, uh, the the recent rumors, you know, people were connecting Kyrie to the Knicks. Uh, people were saying he might go to L.A. New York seems to be the destination, but it seems like Brooklyn is where he wants to end up. Matt, what were your kind of first thoughts when you heard about this? Well, uh, the Nets are gearing up for a splash. There's no doubt about that. They see themselves as an equal contender in this free agency period in terms of reining in uh, these top-tier free agents. Now, they have two basic paths, of uh, courses of action here, what, which they can choose from. One is extending D'Angelo Russell, who's a restricted, restricted free agent this year, uh, matching whatever offer sheet he gets uh, from another team, or they just let him go and go full send on two 
uh, top tier free agents. Now you, you have to wonder what the Nets' odds are of bringing in two players of that caliber. Are they going to really be able to entice two players to come to their team uh, after such an abysmal past stretch couple of years? Now they obviously took a step forward this year, and Russell was a big part of that. Uh, making the playoffs after uh, a couple of years in which they were decimated from a uh, lack of draft capital. Uh, but they've rebounded nicely, and, uh, you know, coming in here, it appears Kyrie is interested in going to the Nets. Now, you know, we've heard a lot of rumors about him going to the Knicks as well, uh, him possibly re- reuniting with LeBron in L.A. So I don't really know what to believe in terms of what Kyrie wants, but the Nets definitely want him, uh, regardless of whether or not they bring back Russell. Uh, and I could see at least them getting Kyrie. Now the question is, you know, what do they do for that second max slot? Do they go with, you know, like signing a guy like Kevin Durant with him having uh, at least 10 years in the league gives him a higher base salary and a max deal? Uh, I don't know if they'd be able to afford that. They'd be pushing the cap limit uh, pretty tight there. So I think they'd have to go. I mean, they could sign Kevin Durant, but they'd have to get pretty creative now. Um, I don't think Kevin Durant would go to the Nets. But what do you think? Do you think Russell is part of their plans, Blake, or are they going to be moving on? Yeah, I, I feel like Russell has to be part of their plans, and not even just the fact that they were able to get him for so uh, so little uh, when they made that move and traded for him from Los Angeles. I thought that was a really smart deal. Um, you know, even Magic Johnson came and you know he was asked maybe kind of what were some of the poor decisions he made in his time with the Lakers, and the first thing that came to his head was trading away D'Angelo Russell. I mean, you see, twenty two years old. He made his first ever All-Star game this year, 21 points a game, 7 assists a game. He uh, had an effective field goal percentage of 51.2, which was a career high. Uh, he shot career highs in 3-point percentage, field goal percentage, uh, and he's only 22 years old. So now he is that restricted free, restricted free agent, and yes, he's only had one like really amazing All-Star kind of season, but he's one of those guys that I just feel like needed time to get in the league. People talked about maturity, and I think that's something you started to see kind of grow a little since, um, you know, since getting traded to Brooklyn. He kind of had his wake-up call after leaving L.A. So for that and the fact that restricted free agent that can match whatever, D'Angelo Russell would get paid by a, a, a number of teams in the NBA, and I think that the Nets' first instinct should be to re-sign him. I also, like you, don't believe that Kevin Durant wants to go to Brooklyn. Um, even just from hearing a guy that's, you know, as as crazy as he is, he's well-sourced in the NBA. Uh, Stephen A. Smith was talking that uh, Kevin Durant had initially wanted him and Kyrie to team up with the Knicks, but he wasn't interested if that was in Brooklyn. Uh, I'm not sure why specifically, um, but it, it, I, I trust Stephen A. if he knows stuff like that, um, if he's coming out comfortable saying that. So I don't believe Kevin Durant's the option. You consider, you know, I would say that they would want to get, a, you know, another wing guy, uh, you know, max free agent if it wasn't, um, if they didn't choose D'Angelo Russell. So you think about a guy like Jimmy Butler or, um, God, Tobias Harris. Uh, there are a couple other, you know, uh, free agent all-stars. You could consider Kawhi Leonard as well, but I think we all think he's going to stay in Toronto or go to Los Angeles, whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers. But there are a number of guys that... that the uh, Nets will have an option for. It's just, do you trust that the the season that they've had this year is all that's waiting for is like a star player or two? But I also have a bigger problem here with, with the Nets, and I have trust issues with Kyrie Irving because when he walked into Boston, it was a situation where he was obviously clearing away the, the most talented player on the team, 
Uh, he was also the older guy around a lot of younger players that were still getting their groove in the NBA. Think about Jason Tatum in his rookie year. Jalen Brown was in his second year, I believe, when Kyrie joined. Um, and the biggest thing that came around was character issues. They, they, Kyrie wasn't able to to work well with younger talent. And, you know, if he came to Brooklyn, to me, that just seems like the same situation he'd be getting into. You know, you think about some of the best players on their team. D'Angelo Russell is only 22 years old. You've got Jarrett Allen, who will be entering his uh, third season in the NBA next year. You've got a lot of guys, uh, Karis LeVert, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. They're all very young players. Uh, and if the problem with Kyrie was he, he thought his teammates lacked, you know, um, you know, maturity in Boston, especially those younger stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. What's he going to think about when he gets to Brooklyn? It's the same situation. The the fit is kind of a concern for me. What do you, what do you think about Kyrie with the Nets? Well, uh, you make a good point there. I, I totally agree that it would be almost the same situation if he went into Brooklyn um, and had, you know, and they do re-sign D'Angelo Russell because of all those young players. That's why I think Russell moves on uh, in this offseason. Whatever oh, wow. offer he gets on that offer sheet, I don't see uh, the Nets taking him because, you know, they've, they've cleared up this cap space and, you know, they already had the room to sign D'Angelo Russell and the, and the goal here was to get another star alongside of him. But if you are looking at Kyrie as your number one player, you know, that's putting you in a bit of a sticky situation like we saw with, with – um, with Boston. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if, if Kyrie wants that anymore. You know, that was his big, his big deal when he got traded from Cleveland in the first place was that he wanted to be, you know, have his own team, not be a second fiddle. And just clearly, you know, that hasn't worked out for him. There's been a lot of friction. I think he's going to be, he's been humbled. You know, I think he's going to be a little more open okay. to playing alongside another superstar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I think, you know, a guy like Jimmy Butler would be a great pairing with Kyrie uh, in in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, he still has that. He's under the 10 years, so he would be able to slide in uh, underneath the cap uh, alongside Kyrie, as would Clay Thompson uh, if, if he doesn't re-sign with the Warriors, which that's still kind of up in the air. I haven't been hearing a whole lot on the Clay Thompson front. Is that understood that he's going back to Golden State, or, or just not yeah. a topic of conversation? I think the only concern would be is that the Warriors would hold out until Kevin Durant decided to sign, and they waited too long, and Clay Thompson grew upset um, with mm -hmm. the fact that. But I, I you know, I should think I, I would think that Clay Thompson should be back in Golden State. Yeah. And then there's also Chris Middleton, another intriguing player who's going to be who has a player option for this year. Kemba Walker, uh, you know, wouldn't really pair with Kyrie, but there's I think there's a lot of different combinations that you could make with these mm -hmm. top free agents. That if the Nets, if the Nets truly believe they can bring in two star free agents, two of the top ten free agents of this class. I, I wholeheartedly believe that they'll move on from Russell um, just because, like you said, this Russell is so young. You know, they would love to have a guy with a little bit more experience, um, you know, as, as good as he was this past year and as good as his potential could be, you know, at only 22 years old. You know, this is it, it's a it, it's just tough to, you know, say goodbye to a guy who, you know, helped mm -hmm. elevate your franchise so much. But I do think that 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 the front office, which, you know, it's it's Brooklyn, you know, this is still a big market. And, you know, even though Kevin Durant isn't looking at the Nets like he does the Knicks because the Knicks are talked about more, you know, the Nets are still going to get plenty of exposure and they're going to be able to leverage that with free agents and say, hey, you know, you're coming to a, a great market, you know, a, a long storied program. Um, you know, it might, might not be the Knicks, but, you know, what exactly have the Knicks done in the history of their franchise? So, um, no offense, Blake, but yeah, yeah, way to rub you that know, in. It's, 
<laughs> so, you know, I, I, I truly believe that that's what they're going to do. Now, hmm. can they do it? Can they sign two free agents? I don't know. Um, you know, that's, that is going to be tough because, you know, they are still only the Nets. They're not the Knicks. They're not the, the Lakers. They're not the Celtics. They don't necessarily have that, that top-tier pedigree just in terms of name recognition and things like that. But, um, you know, with, with the way the franchise is on, the trajectory it's in, I could totally see the Nets being an attractive destination for free agents. I just haven't heard. You know, the, the, the Nets seem to almost be late bloomers on this market where, you mm-hmm. know, we were hearing all about the Lakers. We were hearing all about the Knicks. We were hearing all about the Clippers. Um, but where, you know, the Nets weren't really in that conversation up until about a month ago, and now they've really kind of jumped into things. So I think they're an intriguing option, and, you know, I I'm, I'm, hate to say it, but I do think Russell, you know, has to play elsewhere. Man, see, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like you've got a guy that's 22 years old and he, you know, an all-star too. It it would be so hard to give up a guy like that, especially when you were able to, you got lucky uh, getting D'Angelo Russell. I mean, he really became the, the, he was like the franchise young core piece of another franchise and they decided to give him up and you, for, he just fell onto your laps. I feel like you know, if you got rid of D'Angelo Russell, even if you signed two free agents, the gap between those two free agents and the rest of the Brooklyn Nets team just isn't good enough, I think, to be in t- I think you need D'Angelo there to convince. I think if you brought in Kyrie and had D'Angelo at the guard combinations, and then maybe you signed a guy that wasn't going to get a max deal. Maybe you bring in, you know, one of those lower tier free agents that plays a forward position. Uh, I, I don't have the list of free agents, but I could look up some names. I just feel like like that Julius be... Randall, Brooke Lopez, Bohan right. Bogdanovich. Yeah, yeah. I think a guy like Julius Randall. I mean, if you brought him and you teamed him back up with D'Angelo Russell in Brooklyn, I think that'd be hilarious for one, just because they were on the <laughs> Lakers at one point. But uh, but yeah, I feel like that would be the more enticing situation than giving up on a guy that. I mean, Brooklyn, before, and we're also got to point out, like, they did have a much better season, but they were two games above 500. Um, so you would think, of course, bringing in the Stars would, you know, up that win total. But I feel like the entire Brooklyn fan base has kind of rallied around D'Angelo Russell as, like, kind of their prized possession. And I feel like it would be, it would just be too difficult after the season he had and after things finally look up. Uh, to just abandon that. Now, of course, if it's a if it's a Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving pairing, then I then that's different. You know, if you can get the second yeah. best player in the league and Kyrie Irving, then I am totally uh, I totally understand being able to do that. But you know, it, when it comes down to to a guy like if it was Tobias Harris, or Jimmy Butler, I would kind of consider. But I also just feel like you know, an All Star at the age of twenty two is is something that I feel like they should hold on to. Yeah, I mean. It's hard to ignore the emotion factor. That's definitely something that right. the team has to consider. Uh, you know, the fan base will get riled up if if Russell does go elsewhere. But, you know, uh, it would be interesting if Kevin Durant was to consider it. Now, I don't really think that's possible, but, you know, you never know really what happens in free agency yeah. until it does. So, um, and certainly the team, I mean, the, the team has a young core, but that would also benefit from coming off the bench in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you do sign two max free agents, I think, you know, that'll push a, uh, a couple of guys into some lesser roles where they could thrive against, you know, lesser competition uh, in the those middle minutes of the game. I, I, I think that it's something that could work. You, you know, I, I don't think that that would be it for the team in the offseason. I think they'd still have to get, um, you know, another player or two uh, in free agency just to, 
um, you know, shore up the, the back of that, that bench. Torian Prince, though, I mean, a great 3 and D guard, a guy who could fit yeah. into a, a, a role, mm-hmm. um, you know, like that. I, I think it's possible, you know, about how, you know, they're only two games over 500. That gets pretty far in the East. Yeah. Uh, yeah and, you know, you bring in two, you replace uh, D'Angelo Russell effectively with Kyrie and let's just say, for argument's sake, Chris Middleton. You know, that's a, an uptick of, of at least eight wins, you would say, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, that, that puts you 10 games over 500. You feel pretty comfortable there in the East. Uh, you know, at least getting, you know, or, or competing for a number four seed in the conference. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, the, and the Bucks are, if they lose Middleton, that's going to be huge. Brogdon's a restricted free agent, I believe. Or he might have an option. It's right here. Mm-hmm. He is a restricted free agent. So not sure if Brogdon returns. Brooke Lopez is an unrestricted free agent. Middleton obviously has that player option. So, you know, the Bucks are going to have a bit of a different look. Uh, Jimmy Butler has a player option. Tobias Harris uh, could be leaving as an unrestricted free agent. J.J. Redick could be gone. Uh, that's the 76ers core right there. Well, not core, but, you know, a big part of their team right there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be looking. And, of course, Kawhi's future right. as well in Toronto. All of that, you know, it makes for an intriguing shakeup at the top. And then you look at Kyrie, mm-hmm. who could be leaving Boston. Um and uh, we have Al Horford with the player option as well. Like, there is just so many things that could happen with the top of this this Eastern Conference where, you know, if you're the Nets and you think, okay, if we can get two big stars in free agency, we have room to move up. Uh, it obviously depends on what the team does. But, you know, you take Kyrie, it's not only helping you, but it's removing him from a Boston squad uh, that, you know, We'll be going with Terry Rozier uh, at point guard next year. So mm-hmm. not, not not anything against Rozier. He's a nice player, but he's not Kyrie. Exactly. Uh, you, know, so you certainly take a step back in that regard. So, you know, you think, okay, not only are we moving up, but Boston's taking a bit of a step back as well. Uh, you know, that creates room for us. So, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I think it could work. Uh, there would have to be some shuffling around. Maybe, um, you know, they obviously have traded their first-round pick this year and their first-round pick next year uh, that's protected in this, this trade that they just made. So they don't have a whole lot of draft capital to deal from, but they do have a lot of young assets. So maybe yeah. if you wanted to trade it, you know, a player or two for, you know, a swing man or somebody who could, uh, you know, be the fifth guy on the floor uh, in your starting lineup, you know, that's certainly possible uh, mm-hmm. if you want to take away a little bit of depth of those young guys. So, uh, you know, like you said, it's the Nets trading Russell would hurt the fan base. I don't think they'd be happy, but at the end of the day, if they're coming out on, on game one of the season and they've got two guys, Jimmy Butler and uh, Kyrie Irving, I don't think they're going to be complaining too much. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And the one last thing, if they did decide to just go with Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell, um, people, I, I was talking with someone the other day when this news came out first, and, and they were like, well, they play the same position. How is that fit? That fit is actually, turns out, both play off the ball extremely well. Of course, you remember... Uh, you know, in Cleveland, when Kyrie was off ball with LeBron carrying it up, he was very effective, uh, you know, on the catch and shoot. D'Angelo Russell is a, a very good shooter, too. And they had some other guards there where he was working off ball. Um, so I think that combination would be really good. Now, one of the other things I was thinking about, if it if it does stay, and I know we're, you know, we just talked about the, the fact of D'Angelo Russell probably not coming back. If it was Kyrie and D'Angelo Russell, is that not the best, you know, and I'm just saying this right now because I'm not I haven't thought about every single team, but that would probably be the best backcourt in the Eastern Conference, correct? Uh, you would have to think. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, John Wall is probably not going to play next year, or if he right. does, it won't be too much, so you couldn't really pull him and Beal, even if Beal is still on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I think that has to be. 
Yeah. Nobody else really stands out to me right now. I mean, the Pacers lost Oladipo. We're not sure when he's going to be back. Yeah, uh, I think that would have to be the best backcourt, which Mm -hmm. that's pretty crazy. Right, yeah, and especially, you know, and I feel like both would play off each other well. I don't think it would be one of those things where they wouldn't be able to coincide, um, you know, because, you know, they both traditionally are both point guards, and you would think that, you know, maybe they would clash, but I think we've seen enough, at least from, you know, the Kyrie Irving aspect, that he can work well off the ball. D'Angelo Russell is a smaller sample size, but I also think he's a guy that would understand, and, he, and since he's a good shooter, I think would be able to do so too. But, you know, that's an intriguing option. Of course, so is, is bringing in a guy like Jimmy Butler. I mean, the grand prize is Kevin Durant, of course, but his interests seem to stay in, in Golden State or New York or with the Knicks currently. So, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, uh, yeah, it, the Nets certainly will be an interesting team next year. And <clears throat> one other thing that would be, extremely unfortunate to think about is you talked about how they traded away their first round pick this year. They don't have next year's. What was the biggest problem with the Nets when they made all those trades for the, for the, with the Celtics, they gave up all their draft capital and, and, you know, they worked so hard to get back to this point to be an over 500 team. You know, they rebuilt quicker than the Knicks did, uh, which is, which is just funny in itself because the, everyone thought that Brooklyn was way more of a, a shit show and they were further away from rebuilding. They did it very much quicker uh, but, um, you know, it would be unfortunate to see a, a situation where this doesn't work out for the Nets, and next thing you know, they've given up their draft capital, uh, and maybe they're just riding with a team that has D'Angelo Russell if free agency doesn't go well. Yeah, yeah, you you make these trades, you free up this draft capital and give up those first-round picks, only to let D'Angelo Russell walk and only get one max free agent, that mm-hmm. is a huge flop. Uh, so you have to be really confident, and if you're the Brooklyn uh, front office, to let Russell go and to make this trade uh, yeah. because you feel like, all right, this is this is the offseason. We pull the trigger. Um, you know, like you said, that that trade with the first round picks before obviously didn't work out. This is a very different front office. You know, entirely different personnel that are in there now. But uh, you know, it's it's a, a weary fan base kind of looking at at this offseason. You know, I would say cautiously excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, anything else you want to put on that before we uh, transition into our next topic? Uh, I love the East, man. I know the West yeah. <laughs> uh, has been the better better conference, you know, over the past LeBron. Uh, but yes. <laughs> um, ever, th- this, this season overall was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you know, obviously being a Wizards fan, you know, the NBA has been uh, just this kind of sad area for right. me uh between the wizards being bad and the warriors dominating over the past couple of years it's just kind of been hard for me to watch but i think this year was was more fun just because there was so much intrigue about which team came out of the east in a way that we haven't seen in a long time um you know i i really thought it was going to be the celtics entering the year uh then the bucks throughout the season were just blowing everybody away the sixers looked like a threat then of course Kawhi and the raptors just you know Put, finally put it all together uh mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun to watch and you know i'm really excited for the the path that we're seeing you know a team like the nets who two years ago if you told me that they would have been you know a threat for two max free agents with a mm-hmm. uh, set you know a path to the eastern conference finals if they do things right i mean you know that's crazy uh so you know i'm, I'm really excited for for where the east is going uh, hopefully the Wizards, you know, kick off a rebuild already. Get a front office. They still don't have a team president. Yeah. Uh, I think they're <laughs> they're waiting for the finals to end. But you know, right. it's it's been a nightmare uh, over here in D.C. So, oh oh well. But you know, for now we've got some pretty quality basketball in the Eastern Conference, and that's not something we've been able to say for a while. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's certainly going to be competitive, and especially with the way free agency shakes up. You think if Jimmy Butler stays in Philadelphia or if he goes to a team like Brooklyn, uh, you've got guys like Kemba Walker. Is he going to stay in Charlotte? Is Kevin Durant actually coming to the Knicks? Who else is coming to the Knicks? Tobias Harris is a big free agent that, you know, I'm not sure where he'll end up, but he could demand some big money after, you know, his first all-star season last year. Of course, Kawhi Leonard, if he stays in Toronto, what that does, because, of course, we've seen from them that they've been, you know, the best team in the Eastern Conference. So um, it's all going to be huge. And like you mentioned also, the you know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, they've got a lot of big decisions to make if they're going to try and, you know, bring back everybody again. I would think that they would like to do so, especially with Brooke Lopez, Middleton, and Brogdon. But those are three big guys that are going to demand a lot of money. So certainly going to be an interesting free agency just alone for the Eastern Conference, but for the NBA in, in total, we could see a real uh, shift in power uh, by the end of the summer. So Absolutely. Uh, talk, let's, let's talk about a shift of power, Blake. Yeah. We haven't had very good transitions uh, between <laughs> our topics, I've noticed. We always just say, let's shift gears, uh, because we never really have a good, good transition. But that no. right there, I'm going to just grab it and good run job. with it. No, no, a shift of power... Uh, in the AL Central uh, of Major League Baseball between the Cleveland Indians and the Minnesota Twins. The Indians have had a rough start to the season this year, currently sitting at 531-31. They're 10 and a half games back of the Twins after winning each of the previous, oh, is it three or four division titles? I think it's three, but it might be four. I don't know. Uh, but they're 10 and a half games back right now, uh, two games back of the wild card, but you know, the Twins look like one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team, uh, with how great of an offense they have. They've scored the most runs in baseball so far this season, 361 runs this season. They're the best run differential at plus 105. They've been an absolutely outstanding team this year, but the Indians have really been struggling. Obviously, have hit hard with injuries. They have Corey Kluber on the shelf. Carlos Carrasco was just announced he has a blood issue. Yeah. Uh, we're not sure when he's going to be back. Mike Clevenger on a uh, rehab assignment right now. He should be back soon, um, but he has not pitched yet this season. And da- Danny Salazar, uh, who's been out each of the last two years now, uh, he had a, a tear in his shoulder. He still doesn't know when he'll be back. So that entire pitching rotation has been hit hard. And then the offense just has struggled. So, Blake, do you think... You know, is there a chance for the Indians to to climb back into playoff contention? Obviously, they're still in the wild card race, but the way they're playing right now hasn't exactly inspired a lot of hope. No, it certainly hasn't, and I do think that just given the injuries and, of course, the the extremely unfortunate uh, blood condition with Carrasco, we're uh, like you said, we have no idea what his timetable is going to be. There's just too many hits on this team's <clears throat> pitching rotation, and you know, before I continue this, we were both. Incorrect, I believe, on both free agents uh, that we talked about last episode. <laughs> Craig, Kimbrell didn't we talk about the Cubs though? Did, did we? we talk about the Cubs, the Kimbrel? I think we, we might did. have. I, I was we, trying to. I was gonna tweet at you about it, but then I was like, "Wait, did he, did he say the Cubs?" I thought I'm not he said sure. the Cubs, but I might. I'm not sure. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I could be. I could have said that. But Go I ahead thought, and take the credit for it. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the credit for it. So I predicted correctly that. Uh, <laughs> But but anyway, so you know both of those big free agents in the in the uh, in the pitching row, two big free agent pitchers, uh, of course, are no longer available. They've signed with the Braves and the Chicago Cubs. Um, you take in the fact that they're ten games or eleven games essentially out of the the division lead. I do believe that they will need to just hope for the wild card. 
But to me, you know, looking at the wild card race, and I know it's early on, um, but you take a look in the West. I know we, you talked to us about um, the Angels and how you felt like they were, you know, making that push for the wild card spot. They're right now sitting at 30 and 33. So the uh, Indians have, what, a game and a half up on them, maybe two. Um, game and a half, yeah. Yeah, so then, but then you look in the East, and to me, the wild card race, and I'm just from what we've seen for early from these teams, the wild card race to me looks like it's going to be the ALS teams that don't win the division. Um, you know, just from what we've seen from Tampa, they've been outstanding this year. I know they're kind of hit with, you know, the glass now injury, uh, which is also really hurting my fantasy baseball team. If we need to mention that too, that that was a pretty big bummer that he's been out for so long. Um, and then and Austin you know, Meadows is back. He's on my team. <laughs> oh, there you go. Lucky you. So, and then you've got the Boston Red Sox who I don't believe, you know, they're now four games over 500. They've won four straight um, and only six and a half games out of the division lead after the Yankees uh, lost their first series. I think in 10 series they won nine in a row and then lost a series to the Toronto Blue Jays but to me you know it's going to be extremely difficult for the Indians to make something out of this season and at a certain point as we've talked about at what point do they become uh, one of those teams that just decides to kick the can on a few of these uh, players that they have these talented arms or bats that they have and decide that this is the the year where we kind of hit the reset button because I know at the beginning of the year we heard about Kluber, a couple other guys in there as well that might become trade assets if this season doesn't go well. I know we're only sitting here on June 7th and we're 62 games into the season for the Indians, but to me, they're so far out of the division race right now. And of course, it, it, it is a long season, but the Minnesota Twins do look outstanding this year and I really do think that they are kind of probably the best shot to... They're they're the clear favorites to take away that division. But then you look at the rest of the AL teams; they might be just you know it might just be one of those years where they have to to you know trade away some of their best players, hope for some good prospects in return, and kind of wait to see what happens next year. Yeah, I mean we we saw we heard all off season about the team uh, holding you know trade negotiations about Corey Kluber right. and Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it seemed like, you know, the team, which doesn't have a high payroll anyway, uh, was gearing up to at least take a bit of a step back, uh, so that it could retool for the next couple years. And, you know, this is a front office that, you know, when working with a light payroll has to get creative. Um, and you know, I was talking about this with the Nats earlier this season before they, you know, they're playing well lately, but, um, you know, they were 19 and 31 at one point and, you know, we were looking at, uh, you know, how bad uh, of a season it had been and, um, you know, how the bullpen had been underperforming and, you know, they still had a young core, a, a team that, you know, they could put together around, uh, you know, six or seven guys, uh, just the supporting cast wasn't all that great. You know, why not deal from that supporting cast of the couple players that are doing well, get as many player prospects back in return, young guys, uh, and then try and turn around in a year or two and compete. I think that's something that the Indians are absolutely going to uh, look at as a possibility. I mean, there's, you know, despite the fact that they're two games out of the, the race, you know, what exactly inspires confidence in this team? I mean, Jose Ramirez still hasn't come around. This offense, mm-hmm. uh, you know, has three guys, really, uh, that have been able to put it together this year. Roberto Perez has had a great season behind the plate. He's only hitting 227, but uh, has 10 home runs on the year. Carlos Santana at first base, uh, you know, certainly playing up to his contract. And then Frankie Lindor, who you know always he's seems great. to be playing. Uh, you know, he's great. Uh, my favorite shortstop in baseball. Yes. 
he also missed some time to start the year. So, you know, that was, you know, they didn't have him for the entire season. But outside of those three, I mean, everybody has an OPS under 660, um, at least among players who are qualified right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have Jason Kipnis having an all-time terrible season. Uh, Hanley Ramirez got DFA'd. Carlos Gonzalez got DFA'd. Both of those uh, experiments didn't work. Jose Ramirez, like I mentioned, just you know, out of nowhere, really struggling this year, only hitting 204. He does uh, still been stealing a lot of bases. He has 15 stolen bases on the year, making him still valuable in that regard. But when you're only reaching base at a 300 clip, you know, that's not exactly going to help you all that much. Um, so, you know, I think the, the, the injuries in the rotation, uh, plus, you know, Trevor Bauer has been struggling a lot recently. He's gotten his ERA up to 393, um, not exactly inspiring confidence there. Um, Shane Bieber's been all right. He's only 24, mm-hmm. uh, 357 ERA on the year, a nice whip, uh, good strikeout numbers. So he's been good. But, you know, the injuries outside of that, uh, the bullpen has been good, not great. You know, Brad Hand has been awesome uh, in the closer role, but Dan Otero struggled before he went on the IL. Adam Simber has been okay. Oliver Perez has been okay. Um, you know, but they haven't had exactly you know, a great cast there uh, of players where, you know, you think, okay, you know, we can really elevate this team, especially this rotation that's hurt. Uh, I don't think the bullpen is going to be able to shoulder that load necessarily. So if you're in this front office right now, you just got to be realistic. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you don't need to make any decisions right now, and you can try and let the team play out. And, you know, maybe you go on a bit of a run, and you're probably not going to close the gap in the division, but you, you might be able to get uh, all the way up, you know, into the thick of the wild card race where you actually are holding a spot. Uh, you know, you go on a nice stretch of wins, and you say, okay, you know, this is possible. Clevenger gets back. Um, you know, you're supposed to get Kluber back in August, which, you know, that's not exactly uh, soon, and that'll be after the, the trade deadline, so that's going to take him out of that um, conversation. But, you know, if you're able to roll with, you know, a top three of Clevenger, Bieber, uh, and Bauer, and, you know, piece together a rotation from there, maybe, you know, it's conceivable. But just, just looking at how this team has fallen apart this year and looking at the young core that you have, you could build around, uh, I think, you know, just retool, take a step back, uh, you know, try and sell off a guy or two just to bring back some prospects uh, and, and see what you can do from there. Now, this is going to be a tough market to do it in. There's a lot of sellers right now, which makes this a, a good buyer's market. You're not going to have to give up a whole lot of talent uh, for some of these guys. And, you know, they're going to be good names. They're going to be available via trade mm-hmm. uh, come the deadline. So, you know, if you're really going to want to compete for prospects, you might have to consider a guy like Trevor Bauer uh, or Brad Hand. Um, who, you know, would be part of that core you build around uh, just to, you know, get yourself a good return. So we'll see uh, if that's what they decide to do. But, you know, overall, I don't think this is the Indians' year. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm you know, going to go on record on June 7th right now and say that the Indians are done for 2019. They will not be making the playoffs. There you go. You heard it. Well, you know, the thing is, is you talked about some of the trade targets from the beginning of the year, and it was Trevor Bauer and uh, Corey Kluber as well were the two big names. And you take a look at how the team is hitting. You know, they're second worst in terms of batting average, slugging percentage, and uh, <clears throat> and hits as well. And then they're, you know, fourth worst in home runs, fifth worst in on-base percentage. Um, are there any uh, position players that you think could be trade targets for other teams? Or is there anyone here that's enticing enough to make an addition to a to a, a team that thinks that they might be contending and are kind of one uh, fielder away from really making a difference? Uh, I mean, it's tough. 
you know, if I if I look up and down this team, you know, maybe Jake Bowers, he hits left or he hits righties pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't really been having the season that they've used to have, but he's only 23. Um, so you might like what you can get out of him. You know, I would say Kipnis, um, but he so uh, obviously is having an all-time terrible year. Maybe Carlos Santana. Yeah, that's what, um, you know, that's he's what I was going to ask. He's just he's older. Um, certainly having a good year, uh, but he comes at a, a hefty price tag. I'm pretty sure he's the highest paid player on the roster uh, in okay. Cleveland. So, you know, you might have to shed a little bit of salary. Um, but you know, if if they dangle him, I could see that working out. You know, Bowers mm-hmm. plays first base. If they trade Santana, maybe they think, okay, we move Bowers uh, into the infield next year. And you know, the, 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 my thing with the Indians, I mean, they did this to themselves. They didn't bring in enough guys uh, over the offseason. They had a very, very quiet offseason. Um, them and the Braves stood out to me as the two teams that really just didn't do enough uh, to re- to add to their teams, uh, you know, in order to defend their division titles. You know, both of them are, are teams with tight budgets and, and, you know, not the biggest markets in the world. But, um, you know, the, it just kind of it sucks for the fan base because, you know, you go into – you have had such a good run. You made the World Series all the way to Game 7, only came mm-hmm. clo- so close – to winning it all and, and the team it seems like the front office just hasn't been hell bent on getting you back there and you know as a fan that's probably really tough to swallow so right. uh, to your point though you know I think I think Santana would be a, a player to dangle uh, probably to the AL um, first base just isn't a position that a lot of teams are seeking out right now mm-hmm. uh, you know you don't really need to to pay a lot of money for a first baseman it's kind of kind of like a dime a dozen type deal but you know if a team really likes the idea of Santana uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if he got traded he's you know like I said he's older uh, certainly wouldn't be part of a young core that Cleveland would want to build around right yeah I mean th- that's the thing you know you need uh, <clears throat> excuse me you need to find the right fit. Santana is making the highest. He's making $18.3 million this year. Kipnis is in second, making fourteen point six this year. So they are two of the more expensive contracts that they could be able to unload. Uh, one of the teams that just popped into my head thinking you know, about trade targets potentially, especially for that first base position, um, is uh, if Boston wanted to shuffle up their infield. I know they've Chavis is able to play uh, multiple positions in the infield. I know he is playing first base, um, but he could be a guy that you could move around to a position you might need uh, elsewhere. I know he's very comfortable in second base, so maybe you bring uh, Santana in to play first, and then you slide him over, and maybe you find a, you know, Nunez, you find a, you know, a lesser role for him. But that could be a team that I think, you know, right now that may be thinking we need an extra bat because I know the first base position has really been a struggle for them this year until they were able to place Chavis there. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a team with the payroll um, to swallow it. Now, they would definitely have to shed money because I don't right. know if the Red Sox are trying to stay under the luxury tax this year. I'd assume not. Um, they were one of two teams last year to go over that luxury tax threshold, uh, and I'm pretty. And I'm, I'm, I know they they started the year with a uh, payroll over 200 million. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they've exceeded it already. If not, they are very close. Right. Now, if you're the front office and you think, okay, you know, we can, uh, we can. You know, make another run here. Let's do it. Let's go over the tax. Sure, but you know, when the, when the team was making trades at the deadline last year, you know, they were, you know, sitting pretty at the top of the AL East. Obviously, the Yankees were keeping it close, but you know, they were on a, a hundred plus win pace. Whereas right now, they're they've been dancing around five hundred. I think that yeah. that team needs to go on a bit of a run before we see them 
take a contract like Santana. You know, I could see mm-hmm. them making some lower profile moves uh, if needed, if they're still kind of, you know, where they are out now, only, you know, having a chance at the wild card. And that's, that's, that's the thing is, you know, the wild card, it was created, the wild card game was created to give more teams incentive to try and make it to the postseason, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times one team would run away with the top wild card spot and that would just make the rest of the league just kind of be like, oh, well, there's nothing we can do uh, right. to get that spot. We're all too far out. So, you know, if there's two teams in one division just go, you know, going back and forth, you know, that's, you know, nobody else is going to get that spot. So they created the second wild card spot to try and get more teams uh, to be invested. But now, with it just being a one-game playoff, a lot of teams don't want to go all in on mm. you know the 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 chance that they just lose in one game and then right. are gone. Um, yeah. Which, uh, as a Yankee fan, you know. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> out of last year, I've been giving you all kinds of jabs today, Blake. I know. Sorry. Yeah, you're really coming uh, out my throat. <laughs> How's that car um, sitting? But, <laughs> it's you know what I actually have it running the AC is going I can't complain oh, okay. uh, too yeah, much yeah. but whatever <laughs> but um you know th- and that's the thing now is is the Red Sox you know obviously they would have Chris Sale start that game and you know with the way he's been pitching lately you have to think that the Red Sox think they have as a good a chance of any of winning that game but do you really want to bust through the luxury tax tax threshold take an 18 million dollar contract or the the prorated version of it whatever it is uh, onto your team. Uh, only to have a chance of either missing the playoffs altogether or, you know, go, going out in that first game. Um, mm. So, you know, that's, I, I think they'd need to show, you know, a little bit more of a run, uh, go go off a little bit. I mean, they've gotten up to 500, which after their start is, is a feat within itself. Right. Um, there's, I think they're, what, 28 now and 31, if I'm not mistaken. No, no, they, 33 and 29. Yeah. Oh, they've won four in a row. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah, they're, yeah. they're at 33 and 29. So if they continue to play like they have, uh, recently, sure. I, I just think that they need to kind of separate themselves from that 500 mark first, uh, and then give them that would give the front office more confidence to make a move like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, it is one of those tough things to gauge where you are. It's so early in the season, but I, how long do we have until the trade deadline? How far away is it? It's July 31st, so we July, have about oh, so so yeah, you've got a weeks. decent amount of time. So if by that point maybe Boston is pulled within to, you know, close enough to the to within the Yankees, and maybe the Yankees have faltered a little, and maybe they've surpassed the Rays. They could be thinking as a team that might want to swing the fences, but as you mentioned, they do also need to clear the space. You also think they might have bigger uh, needs. Of course, I know their bullpen has been iffy at best this year, and of course, you know they lost a, a couple of big pieces last year, so maybe they would look into the bullpen to address their their biggest needs, but. Um, you know that could also come through Cleveland if they decided to trade for one of these uh, starting pitchers that have been rumored to be available, or you know maybe one of the arms in the bullpen as well. Absolutely, should be interesting if they do decide to become sellers. Cleveland, at least uh, Cleveland, um, oh, yeah. you know what pieces they do sell off because you know if they do decide to you know put Trevor Bauer out there, you know with the years of control that he has and the relatively free team friendly deal he's on, mm-hmm. um, you know that's something that a lot of teams will be licking their chops at. You know you, you see a lot of these these deadline moves and they're for rentals, but you know when you when you start throwing in players with several years of control you know that makes it all the more enticing and and really can drive that's what drives up uh prospect value is is years of control um and with you know the the low, relatively low salary that uh Trevor Bauer does have i think he would probably be the the biggest trade asset uh mm-hmm. for Cleveland this season yeah yeah it certainly seems like it could uh it could be happening all right well 
I think that's going to do it unless yeah, you have little, anything else on the Indians. Yeah, a little bit shorter of an episode this uh, Friday. I know we were only covering uh, – we did, left out football, but um, – Shorter episode, but we got a fun. We got a fun. Uh, we got a fun football segment coming. Oh, up, Oh yeah, we do. Uh, in the next week, so don't yeah, worry, everybody. You will not be disappointed. Of course. Well, thank you guys for listening to uh, to this episode of reasonably on out reasonably outrageous. If I can speak, Matt. Uh, if you want to follow <laughs> us on Twitter, you can find me at Blake Andrew Pace. Matt is at Matt Wyrick FBB. For federal baseball, Matt, do you also want to put out your your Charlottesville handle just in case they want to follow you there as well? Yeah, you can follow me at Matt Wyrick CVW. Uh, haven't started tweeting yet. That'll be in a couple days. Uh, right. My first day is on Monday. Wow, it's Friday now. Um, so that that handle will be active soon. So I'm excited to to get going there. Yeah, very exciting times. So make sure to follow him over there. Make sure to check out the rest of our episodes here at Reasonably Outrageous. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.